Let us again go to our great God in prayer this evening together. Oh Lord, we cry out to you. We cry out to you with hope and confidence, knowing that you will hear the prayers of your people. We come asking that you might grow our faith, that you would help us. Lord, help us in our weakness. Give us strength in Christ. May we believe and trust in your word, in the spirit work, in the means of grace. Glorify you and benefit us, your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, we're continuing our move through the gospel according to Luke. We're in the the final chapter, so if you happen to come to Luke, just flip to the end of the book. As you're turning there, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 35 this evening together. I'll remind you that Luke's written to confirm the certainty of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have before us the risen Christ. He is appearing to two of his disciples as they travel on the road. This is God's perfect and errant word. Follow along as I as I read. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken? Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going to go farther 
But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever and ever. Some of you might find this funny or silly, but I have a hope that in my lifetime, I'll get to watch astronauts walk on the face of Mars. It's not a huge thing, but yet it is kind of. It's something that I would love to see. I mean, think about it. The idea of humanity walking upon another of God's planets. I mean, that's epic in the purest sense of the word. Just to, to know that we've set foot on another of God's planets to see, perhaps hear from those astronauts. That would be amazing. I mean, in some sense, it's almost hard to believe it could happen. I know some folks believe it's not going to happen. But then again, what were people thinking 75 years ago about the moon? It was only 50 years ago that we went to the moon. Think about that. Think about Apollo 11, that first mission to land on the moon and come back. Now, for someone as young as myself, my whole life, the idea of walking on the moon, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal at all. I mean, that's just all I've known. Now, some of you have been blessed with many seasons of life and and you may remember, remember the race to the moon and the landing upon it. So for the children who, it seems like it's not a big deal, think about it. Think about how those astronauts had to believe in the team at NASA that was sending them. Think of the trust they had to have. They're going to launch a rocket, okay, well they had done that, but they're going to send they're going to send human beings to the moon. Man, I hope they got the math right. They had to believe it. They had to believe it, that not only were they going to land, but then they were going to open it up, go outside, walk on the moon, get back in, and then, and then they, were going to, they trusted that that capsule was going to fly back to Earth. And that whole time, they were trusting that all the hours, labors, and work of that team was going to come together to get them to the moon and back. That's a lot of belief. It's a lot of trust. That's a lot. And those are just astronauts. You know, our Lord calls us to trust Him and, and in His Word. 
Of course, the wonderful thing is, is that we're not trusting just because we want to accomplish something. We're trusting because the Lord has given us hearts that love him and trust him. But as we look at our passage this evening, as, as we see this appearance of the risen Christ with his two disciples as they are walking and talking, we see that Jesus Christ's disciples must believe and trust his word. You do. Dear saints, you must believe and trust God's word. And we're going to look at two particular things this evening as we look at the, the walk here from Jerusalem to Emmaus. The scripture doubting disciples who were discouraged. And the scripture believing disciples who are encouraged. So we turn our attention first to the, the doubting disciples who were discouraged. Jesus' disciples are discouraged as, as they walk and talk together. They're, they're leaving Jerusalem, headed to Emmaus. There's two of them. We know it's not two of the eleven. Most likely, I would think, from the context, it's two from the 120, the greater number that are there. They're walking to Emmaus, and they've got a lot to talk about. Uh, being disciples of, of Christ, they've, they've heard him preach and teach. They've seen miracles. And then think about what they've witnessed this last week. Now, for us, it's been many, many months ago. But they're discussing how just, just a week earlier, all of Jerusalem was singing praises to Jesus. Hosannas, entering into the city. He had gone and he had cleaned out the temple. He had purified its worship. And then by the end of the week, Jesus was dead. And they were shattered. One would think, possibly, from looking at the context, a little distraught. They had thought this was the Messiah. This was the Redeemer, the One. And yet now they were shaken in their belief, in their faith. I had a little bit of a walk here. Think about it. So I know some of you like to hike, go for walks, spend about an hour or two walking with someone. I mean, yeah, you could just be quiet, but how much can you talk about? Even more so than driving in a car, because you're able to slow down and really focus in the conversation. You know, think about if you're walking with your best friend or family, what might be the things you would discuss? You know, perhaps maybe hobbies that y'all enjoy, your favorite books. I don't know. Somehow you convinced me to go walk for two hours with you, then at some point I might bring up some amazingly interesting sci-fi novel you've never read. We could tie that into all kind of things. So they're talking, but they've got to focus. They, they have something that they're, they're talking about, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And as God's people, you know, it's good. It's good to spend time talking about Jesus. It's good to spend time talking about his word, to encourage one another. They're in this moment where they are discouraged. We see that and, 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 and they're talking over these things, but as we, we see the movement, surely it's a going over the happenings, talking about Christ, 
His word seeking, wanting to be encouraged. You know, granted, we see here a specific thing. Things have happened. doesn't mean that when, when your dear saints get together that 100% of your conversations have to be theology, Bible, talking about the Lord. But a lot of our conversations, rightfully so, should be about those things. And even if we talk about other things, it is good to bring in God's word and truth to those things. It's possible. Even to talk about sports and those things and bring in the principles of God's word. Talk about the instruments that we love to play and the music that we love to make. And, and still, we don't have to just talk about those gifts that we've been given. We can talk about the one who gave us the gifts and who we praise and glorify as we use them. It's good for God's people to talk about God's word, to talk about Jesus. You know, children, one of the ways you can start if perhaps you're thinking, well, how? How might I have conversations about God's word or, 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 or the Lord? Well, throughout the week you can talk to your family about morning, evening service. You can talk about the passages that are read, the passages that are preached, the prayers, the songs. And psalms that we sing together, those are good things to, to talk about. You can ask questions about the things you're wondering as you go through the, the day and ask particular parents or grandparents, how, how does God's word come to bear in this situation? Not just for, for the children, though, but for the adults, too. We're, we're reminded Hebrews 10 tells us to spur one another toward love and good deeds and to encourage one another. What is it that we encourage one another with? The Lord's not saying that you go to your brother or sister in Christ and encourage them with just anything, but that you encourage them with the truth of God's word, the Lord's covenant faithfulness, the hope that we have in Christ. As we spur one another up to love and good deeds for his glory and benefit of one another and those around us. It's good to encourage one another, particularly when we're discouraged, particularly when we find ourselves or a brother and sister weak in the moment, weak in faith, doubting God's promises. It's the best time to come and remind them of God's goodness, his grace, his covenant faithfulness. Encourage them, pray with them to believe and trust in God and his word, his promises. Jesus' disciples, they don't realize it. They're walking. A man comes up and they don't realize that it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It says that their eyes are, are blinded to this truth. It's, uh, they have all these undercover shows. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Maybe I think the first one might have been Undercover Boss, you know, where the boss comes into the company and he works and he pretends to be someone else. In a sense, everyone's eyes are blinded to the reality of who this person is. So they're able to interact and learn, and there's not that, that weird situation going on where all the employees know it's the boss. I mean, obviously, it's not a TV show. This is reality. This really happened. But, but in a sense, it's, their eyes are closed. It's Undercover Savior. Jesus walking with them. Asking them, well, what's going on? 
What's got you down? What is it? It's happened. What are you talking about? And these two disciples are, are so taken aback that they literally stop in the middle of the road with these questions that are asked them. And, and they turn and they are, are you the only person who has no idea what's happened? Is unaware of the last week? Where have you been? Is it possible? Like, are you playing with us? Or is this a joke? They're stopping their tracks, and this man, that of course is Christ, which they don't know, asks these these questions. And Jesus says, "What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk?" And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And then Christ, he replies, he says, What things? And then they talked about the disappointment. What had happened that they thought. They thought Jesus of Nazareth, he, this mighty prophet in deed and word, they thought he was the one. They thought that he was the one to redeem Israel, as it says in verse 21. And then it even goes on to say, and we've even been told by some that that they can't find his body. It's not in the tomb. And yet they're still discouraged in the midst of all of that. The man, Jesus, hears hears their story. He listens to them. And then how does he respond? He looks. Lovingly rebukes them. He rebukes them for their lack of faith and believing God's word, God's promises, the prophecies that have been written down and delivered to God's people. In verse 25, Jesus speaking, he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should to suffer these things and enter into his glory. And then it says, he begins with Moses moving through the prophets and he explains all these things. You foolish, foolish disciples. You not believe God, God's word? These things that are before us, you've been given to read and have, and I, the teaching that even... Christ is given. How can you not understand that Christ had to suffer? This was all part of what had been promised. It was all part of Christ's mission, the delivering and redeeming. The very thing they're doubting, how they thought he was the one to redeem Israel. The very thing that caused them to doubt was the act that brought the redemption. But their belief... Their trust in God's word and his promises have been shaken. And when we doubt, as God's people, his word, we shouldn't be surprised that we find ourselves quickly becoming discouraged. Scripture, doubting disciples, that's where they find themselves. And and then after this rebuke, there's, there's a turn. There's a turn of events. It brings us to the scripture believing disciples who were encouraged. 
Jesus' disciples loved to spend time with him and in his word. You know, it's hard to it's hard to be separated for a length of time from someone you love. Family, spouse, children, grandparents, even friends. I mean, nobody likes to have that separation. It's much more encouraging to spend time with the one you love. So Christ is, is going to the, the one that they don't know, is going to move on. He's going to keep walking as the day is coming to an end. But these two disciples, they encourage him, no, 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 come. Come with us. It's the end of the day. You don't want to be traveling anymore. Travel time's done. It's going to get dark. It's dangerous. Animals, wild animals, predators, robbers. It's not safe to be out there. Come on. Come in with us. Stay with us. And, and so he does. He, he goes and goes to the table breaks the bread, blesses it. Their eyes are opened and they recognize that it is Christ. And he vanishes. And then they talk of, it's almost one of those things where after the fact they're like, oh man, whoa, how did we miss this one? I don't know if you ever had those moments. I mean, you're all very intelligent folks, so you probably never experienced that where after the fact you're like, whoa, how did I miss that? happens to me sometimes how did we miss it was not our hearts burning within us while while jesus was talking on the road while while he was opening up his word and explaining it all to us while he was walking us through why why this last week had to happen the way it was supposed to happen how this was the redemption of his people, that he truly is the one that came to redeem Israel, that our doubts were foolish. As we doubted him, God's word, the promises the Lord had made, they were stirred deeply as time with Christ. And Ryle has a, a wonderful way that he, that he explains this, this stirring that they had, this moment with their savior as he writes in in what way did our lord show things concerning himself in every part of the old testament the answer to these questions is short and simple christ was the substance of every old testament sacrifice ordained in the law of moses christ was the true deliverer and king of whom all the judges and deliverers in jewish history were types Christ was the coming prophet greater than Moses, whose glorious advent filled the pages of the prophets. Christ was the true seed of the woman who was to bruise the serpent's head, the true seed in whom all the nations were to be blessed, the true Shiloh to whom the people were to be gathered, the true scapegoat, the true brazen serpent, the true lamb to which every daily offering pointed the true high priest of whom every descendant of Aaron was a figure. These things or something like them, we need not doubt, were some of the things which our Lord expounded on the way to Emmaus. Let it be a settled principle in our minds in reading the Bible that Christ is the central son of the whole book. So long as we keep him in view, we shall never greatly err in our search for spiritual knowledge. Once losing sight of Christ, we shall find the whole Bible dark and full of difficulty. 
the key of Bible knowledge is Jesus Christ. As we come by faith, believing and trusting, asking the Spirit to open our eyes to the truth as the eyes of these two disciples were opened at the table with Christ. That believing the Scriptures, as God's people, we may be encouraged in the hope we have in Christ. It's a coming to the Scriptures. Yes, reading to learn. Yes, reading to gather facts. We don't want to myth, set that aside and say that that's not a worthy thing. For God has revealed himself in his word. But coming, reading, believing, prayerfully asking that the Spirit would not just teach us, but would open our eyes and deepen our love for our God. That we would enjoy fellowship with him as we hear his word read as we read it with our own eyes, that we would enjoy sweet communion with him and fellowship. Jesus' disciples, those are folks that love to encourage one another. Encourage one another with the hope that we have in Christ. Encourage one another with the truth and faithfulness and promises we find in his word. What is it that happens? As soon as the disciples' eyes are opened, they recognize the Lord and he vanishes from their sight. We don't read, and they pondered these things all night. Waking in the morning, they checked their weather app to see what the day was going to be before they thought about maybe walking back to check in with the other disciples, perhaps sending a text first. No, no. No, they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. It was not long ago they were telling the man that they did not know was Christ. No, 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 you need to come in. This is not travel time. It's not safe. They have thrown that to the wind. They are so excited, so enthralled, thankful with the news, praising God that Christ has risen, that they immediately returned to Jerusalem looking for the eleven, looking for the disciples that they might share this news, this good news, affirming what they had heard, the rumors that they had thought were wild speculation. The tomb was empty, now knowing why. Now believing and trusting in that great truth, the glorious news that Christ is risen. My dear saints, there's, there's plenty of discouraging news in the world. You don't have to look far. But if you really look for it, you can just bury yourself in it. All kind of stuff. Not only can we know the discouraging things that are happening around us in Oak Ridge, the discouraging things that are happening throughout East Tennessee, the Lord has blessed us with technology that allows us to know all the discouraging things all over the world that are happening right now. And if we really like getting beat up, we can have it sent to our smartphones on a regular basis, alerting us every time more discouraging things happen. In this fallen world, there is no shortage of discouragement. And that's why, by God's grace, it's so important that you plant your feet firmly upon the truth of God's word, believe it, trust in it, ask the spirit to continue each and every day to to grow your faith. 
and your love for our Lord and his word and our thankfulness as we rejoice together and praise God. As we've seen even in this short passage, the the scripture-doubting disciples who were discouraged and the scripture-believing disciples who were encouraged. Jesus Christ's disciples must believe and trust his word. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to do just that. Help us, help us to believe and trust you and your word more and more. Grow our faith, for it is weak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.